We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday... Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast, sponsored by DraftKings.com. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is DJ Trainer. You can find me at Trainer DJ, and of course, I'm joined by Josh Hayes. You can find Josh on Twitter at Josh Hayes FS. How's it going, my man? Very good, sir. Glad to be back on with you on this another fine Wednesday. Uh, newsflash: Warriors are so good. Uh, what they win? They, what? they win again. It's kind of nice when you take a look at a team and they blow the like the wheels off the t- off the total on the board by thirty. 
is that a joke or what? I mean, these Golden State Warriors. I mean, Indiana made this thing look kind of close here, like down by eight. But really, that was straight up cruise control there in the fourth quarter. Oh, we're just going to jump right into it. No formalities, no nothing. I mean, let's – okay, we'll do formalities in the middle of the show. How about that? Fine. Um, uh, so you had the Warriors blew, blew the hinges off this thing. You rested mm-hmm. the starters. In, going into the fourth quarter, the yeah. backups didn't really do their job. They didn't just kind of solidify the the lead that was already in place. So you had to have the starters come back into the game. Clay Thompson, who had an amazing night, 10 three-pointers, ends up spraining his right ankle, if I'm remembering the video correctly. And mm-hmm. so after you, you know, you're you're interviewing the guys back in the locker room, it's like we didn't close out the game, we didn't do our job. Draymond Green says that, and then Clay Thompson says that, and then uh, Steph Curry says that, and it's like so basically you're telling the bench that they messed up, and now Clay Thompson has a sprained right ankle. Yeah, exactly. What a what a what a little smack job too. Can we give a virtual um, teardrop pour out a little um, for our homies? forty for the homies? In honor of Jason Thompson not able to crack a lineup, you know, when the team is in super cruise control. The team scores 130 points. Let's be clear here. He's your homie. He's your Sacramento homie. I don't think he's just like everybody's homie. No, he's he's an everyman. You know what I mean? If you get the chance to to, if you wear the sleeve on your arm, but knowing that you've gotten DMP'd like 17 games in a row, um, you're a homie. That's for sure. That's that's a that's a clear sign. Just letting you know. Um, yeah. I mean, the best thing that he's got going is that little halfway high, uh, high top fade, a la Kid and Play. And there's really nothing else going for him. So virtual shed of the tear for Jason Thompson, who who needs them to be up by 40, not 30, in order for him to crack the lineup. Jason Thompson is, is on the record books, a lot of records books, all-time for Kings, because, of course, he spent so much time there. Right now, for all-time games played, he's number eighth on that Kings list. Do you know who is number one for most games played on the Sacramento Kings or with the Sacramento Kings? Number one in games played. Well, this is a tough one. Uh, oof. Is it Wayman Tisdale? No. Wayman Tisdale is not even on the top ten. Oh, I'm so bad at this. Yeah, uh, it's okay. Peja Storyakovich is nine. If that really? Helps, if that helps you. <laughs> okay, that doesn't help me. Um, the, all these see the, the problem with the Kings is like turn over that roster really quickly, and everybody was there from somewhere from like three to five years. Like whoever wasn't there for 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 terribly long. Um, I don't know Lionel Simmons. Um, good guess. It's Sam Lacey who is no longer with us anymore. Of course, he played back in the seventies and eighties, and so okay, he's the all time. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really expect you to. Who? What was your guess? What was your Lionel guess? Simmons? Um, not on the top 10 either. All right. So that'll do it for trivia with Josh and DJ. Uh, me and Nick actually are going to do trivia on every single one of our podcasts now because we've been having a blast. It's like the last five minutes of each pod. Let's jump back into this box score though. In case you didn't know already, it was Warriors 131, Indiana Pacers 123. Now, um, Josh, I was on Sirius XM today with DVR doing the Rotowire thing on there. Humble brag. Humble brag, um, humble drop. Uh, I know Derek Van Riper. He's a friend of mine. And, um, <laughs> and he, your agent. He asked me a question that I don't want to say I stumbled on, but I, I, I thought about it for a little bit. And now I might change my answer if I could go back. He said, should the Pacers bring anyone in off the bench as it like maybe a score or something like that? And I said, well, yes, of course. But you know, is this a team that can make a run deep into the Eastern Conference players without maybe – 
like a Lou Williams coming off the bench to help George. They're, they're somewhat solid in terms of yeah. winning games, but Rodney Stuckey right now is filling that six-man role, and, mm-hmm. well, to put it honest, it just really hasn't gone well at any point during his career. I would absolutely go get Lou Williams, which he'd be super affordable because the Lakers will have no use for him given where they're going, which is nowhere. So that's one. That's And that's actually a perfect perfect fit for them because Stucky is really not a one. He's a two in a one's body. Okay? So there's that. Secondly, um, the you know who's the best person per- perfect fit for him that should come super cheap and is, um, you know, basically a Gatorade towel waiver right now? Lance Stevenson? Yeah, absolutely. You exactly. knew I was going to say it, right? So I did say that. That was that was one thing I got right. But I guess I was just kind of curious. Like, um, I don't know. C.J. Miles, Jan Mahinmi, um, uh, Lavoy Allen, Chase Bunger, they did, that roster just seems so lackluster to me, lackluster to me. But, I mean, they really aren't a bad team at all. They're pretty solid. They are, but you know what they are? They're the Utah Jazz of the of 2015 in the you know okay fair enough of the, of the East right yep. I mean everybody's yeah. a placeholder until you figure out until you show the the league that you you can put up a better record than the Cleveland Cavaliers. Here's a know? question and, I have for you, and I know this isn't a perfectly like this can't couldn't have perfectly happened because we have contracts and stuff like that, but if David West, Roy Hibbert. And Lance Stevenson knew that Paul George would be just as good, if not better, than he was before he broke his leg. And, you know, just if this could happen, um, do you think that they would have left Indiana? Uh, yeah, I think so. You yeah, still think I, they would have been gone? Mm-hmm, well, they yeah. made the right decision, let's be honest, um, to go pursue other opportunities, whether it was for money or like David West to win a championship. But well, I mean, it, it'd be with kind the of fun to Lance run Stevenson. Lance Stevenson made the absolute wrong decision because he walked away from, I think, $46 yeah. Million. yeah, on a team that was tolerating him. Um, right. Well, that wanted him back, one. And two, yeah. um, so he could go um, open himself for the max contract, you know, with the, with the salary cap expansion coming with the new NBA TV deal this summer, which he's right now slated to get about $2 million of that uh, next year. So, you know, he has no chance to recoup any value unless he comes off that roster. So if I were him, I would actually pout, at, pout as much as possible so they'd want to get rid of me so they either get waived or mercy traded to Indiana, which would be the best thing possible. Yeah, I think that's best case scenario for him. The Pacers certainly, I don't know, when he rejected their offer, um, what I've heard in the industry is that, you know, at, once he rejected their offer, they were like, okay, fine. And not even like, oh, come on, come on, think about it. <laughs> it was just like, you don't want it? All right, fine, whatever, see ya. And, and that was it. And so... That's the one thing holding me up on them receiving him back with open arms because we have heard the reports out there that Josh Smith and Lance Stevenson are effectively on the um, on the trade list, the trade block out in out in L.A. So uh, we can move on to the next game unless you want to uh, talk about Warriors Pacers a little more. Anything you got to say? How is this Clay Thompson injury going to affect? Let's say he misses the next two games, which is not by any means anything official. Is this going to affect their chances of the streak? Who do you see seeing more time on the court? I think it does affect their chances of the streak because um, Boston's a pretty good defensive team, and some of these games have actually been fairly close on the road, so you definitely want to see Clay in the lineup. But if anybody can recoup from this loss, it's the Warriors who have another starting five sitting there on their bench 
right now, although that bench did underperform. So it would be a lot right. easier to make a case for that if Harrison Barnes jumped back into the lineup, but he's been ruled off for the entire road trip, so that's bad. But you'll need some, but you know what they could do easily is just throw Iguodala in the lineup, you know, as a starter, and then live with, you know, Livingston and, uh, you know, Leandro Barbosa, provided he comes back from that illness and, and let those guys be the scorers. And then, you know, lo and behold, we might have a free Jason Thompson situation. So um, keep dreaming, my friend. <laughs> keep dreaming. Right. Do you, do, would you like me to sneak in some sneaky, sneaky uh, information for you? Uh, like, would you like some help with your job? Since I rudely just said, let's go into the Golden State Warriors slate. I would love to say that the Rotowire Fancy Basketball is available <laughs> five days a week on iTunes and Stitcher for your downloading convenience. And uh, if it's brought to you by DraftKings.com. Don't forget to use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when signing up at DraftKings.com for a free entry into your next DFS Fantasy NBA contest. DraftKings.com, this is where winners play. This isn't uh, just regular daily fantasy sports. This is the big time. DraftKings dot com use the promo code roto hoops nice. all right we shall continue nicely was- done nicely done my friend um yeah the warriors just kind of supersede all like they just they throw caution into the wind and we're just doing whatever because we have to talk about the warriors as quick and as often as possible DraftKings, we love you but i mean the warriors we just we got to talk about them right ex- exactly uh, and you know what um uh, Speaking of, if this thing actually comes to fruition, um, and you look at the the minutes played by Andre Iguodala in this matchup, thirty two minutes, which might have been like sort of a of let's protect ourselves from Brandon Rush getting torched too badly from Paul George, who you know did a pretty nice job, thirty three points, but was eleven of twenty seven, five of th- how can you how do you get thirteen threes up only in the only in a Warriors game can, can like an opponent get thirteen threes up and like you know Clay Thompson's like yeah whatever I got sixteen Curry got eleven so what you know well George is taking really deep threes and I think he's actually the the fifth most efficient three point shooter this year but he's he's finding open space because he's taking him five feet from beyond the arc yeah wow. Um, okay, Josh, let's move it along here. Um, the great thing about talking about the Warriors is you can pretty much just assume that everyone watched them the night before. So let's dig into some of the games that maybe people didn't have time to watch too, although this was a really good one. The Cavaliers beat the Trailblazers 105-100 to at home. The Cavaliers are now 10-1 at home. Tail of the tape here for the Trailblazers. No surprises. Lillard goes for 33 points. McCollum goes for 24. They combined for 46 of the total 79 shots taken by Portland. Um, The front court options. Um, Let me throw them out to you, Josh, and then if you don't mind ranking them rest of season for me because... I'm having trouble deciding which ones I like most. I think it's Plumlee, but Aminu's been nice. Um, Leonard, of course, has been nice. Let me throw him out there, and then you rank him rest of season for just a generic nine-category league. Uh, Mason Plumlee, Alfred Okaminu, Noah Vonley, Myers Leonard, and Alan Crabb. Okay, um... Despite the ugly performance, which is going to be mostly attributed to LeBron, in my, in my mind, it's Alfred Frugamino 1. Okay. okay. Two, um, Mason Plumley because he's still getting starters minutes. But if they would do the right thing and just give Myers Leonard the majority of the power forward minutes like he deserves because that front court is ugly right now. I would have Myers Leonard above him, but since he only played 16 minutes, um, you know, I don't know what the reasoning is behind that, but you know, he's better than Noah Vonley right now. And he's a, a better, more polished all around player than Plumlee. So he should be two, but he's three 
right now. And then Noah Vonla would be four. And then I, don't, I guess we need to mention Ed Davis. Yeah, who's still sorry, playing 24 even, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I would have Ed Davis actually above Noah Vonla because although Noah Vonla was super efficient, made 100% of his shots in that game, one for one from the field, uh, I think we definitely trust Ed Davis to be a more productive fantasy player at this point. Yeah, me and Nick actually talked a little bit about Ed Davis at the end of yesterday's podcast. If you want to check that out, go ahead and find it. iTunes, Stitcher, like Josh already told you. Um, Lillard, McCollum, they're pretty much plug-and-play options, I would say. Any yes or no disagreement with that? Plug-and-play, Lillard, McCollum? Yeah, Lillard, Lillard is should be played almost... Um, as often as possible, like in DFS, not just season long. Or, I mean, you're never going to sit the guy, obviously. McCollum, too. I mean, these guys are – we're talking about uh, McCollum as pretty much a top 50 player, too. This was a nice performance, but having said that, it was against J.R. Smith. But 24 points, five assists, and two steals, you definitely like. You got some some great value. Um, nice uh, you know, shooting performance. And we know that – I mean, you take a look at it. The only somehow Alan Crabb who it looks like he might be a little bit of a sneaky six man coming off the bench. I was trying to figure out who's going to win this sort of like, um, you know, best best of the best six man between Alan Crabb, Mo Harkless, and Gerald Henderson. I have no idea why Gerald Henderson got DMP CD'd because to me um, he has the most talent of the group overall. But for whatever reason, as of late, Alan Crabb is the um, the hot girl. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I, I don't really know what to make of that. It's probably only a deep league only play. Speaking of that hot girl, over the last five games, Crab has averaged 28 minutes on the court, which is certainly by all means significant. 14 and a half points, 2.2 rebounds, one assist, a half a steal, uh, 1.2 turnovers, and 2.2 three pointers. So if he sustains that, he's gotten double digit points in all in all uh, five of those games as well if he's able to sustain that you're going to see him um, trickling into some you know larger standard leagues for sure the problem and the reason why we're talking about this Blazers front court altogether is that it's been a turntable all season long so you don't know what you're going to get if he can sustain it then crab is the way to go otherwise it's still you know what Josh just broke down for you so looking at the Cleveland Cavaliers not a whole lot to talk about here Mo Williams moves to the bench where he scores only 13 points. He sees 21 minutes. Della Vadova plays 37 minutes, 17 points, three rebounds, three assists, one steal. Are you on the Delhi train, or is he more of a DFS play for you, Josh? I think it's a little bit of both. Sort of. I think in deep 12-team leagues, you should um, make a case for Delhi. But keep in mind, it should be short-lived. At some point, Kyrie Irving is supposed to come back out of this lineup, so you're really just going to sort of treat him as a streaming option. But but you know what? I only I, I just never look at Delhi and think that he's like actually a guy who should be playing big minutes in the league Same but you, he's just he's just weird he looks like a ymca player but you know what he is he's actually a guy who three seasons straight has really improved his three-point percentage which is what they need him to do is to be a knockdown three-point shooter when lebron kicks it out 36.8 percent uh in 2013 uh 40.7 in 2014 and 44.1 now on on up to three attempts per game so he's getting more shots and he's knocking him down uh it's, you know the free throw percentage is is you know marginal because he really he's getting barely in one attempt per game but he's shooting 90 percent 
uh, so far. So, I mean, all that really just translates to 8.6 per game, so you're not getting a ton of volume. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's a nice little sneaky, deeper league. Anybody who's uh, basically in, like, 12-team deep leagues and above, anybody who's a starting point guard needs to be probably rostered, if not started on some level. Yep, minutes are the most important stat in fantasy, and it's hard to argue with 37 of, 37 of them last night, which would have been Tuesday for Della Vidova. Just to dive just a little titch um, deeper into the, the three-point stats, Josh, 0. 0.8, 1, and 1. 1.3 are his three-pointers made per game over his last three seasons. And then the percentages, like you said, 37, 41, and now 44. And maybe the most incredible thing that I'm noticing is that when LeBron drives it and he has multiple options out on the wing or to kick it out to, he's choosing to go to Della Vidova over some other guys. Now, I don't want to name names because it, it's a different circumstance every time and angles of the past and whatnot, but I will say that LeBron has faith in kicking out to Della Vidova, which maybe he hasn't had at any other point during his two- or three-year career in Cleveland. I totally agree with you there as well, and it's it makes sense too. You just look at the – like maybe it's just like human nature type thing. Like you look at J.R. Smith, you look at the rest of the options – uh, on the floor, Kevin Love we know is a knockdown three point shooter there as well. I like if it was me and I hadn't looked into the stats, I would naturally be the first person to leave my guy from Della Vadova to rotate on defense, and that's probably why he's open so quite often and knocking those shots down. Next game, the Brooklyn Nets probably get a win. They probably they shouldn't have Jared Jack not called for a walk where he steps about six hundred times late <laughs> in the game. They win nonetheless, one ten to one oh five. Derek on today's XM show asked me this question, and in all honesty, this is my worst answer of the day when I was on the show. What is wrong with James Harden? And my answer was I have no freaking idea. Uh, you know what? I don't really think that we need to like chalk this up to anything, um, regardless in predictor. Shooters have slumps, uh, you know, and James Harden is taking uh, a, a ton of volume. And if you look at what's happening with the roster, they haven't done a thing to improve that roster so you know what that means everybody who's in the west all those teams that they have in the offseason has the entire year to figure out how they can better defend one of the toughest players in the in the in the in in their division or in their conference you know um and for all the struggles he is still shooting a bad percentage uh what like 39.7 percent of game he's still averaging 28 and a half per game and leading the league in you know attempts at the free throw line so i mean maybe if you can sort of attribute it you know, from one thing to another, just try to dig into the numbers just a little bit here. Uh, you know, you like the the three point percentage for for whatever reason, like it's like a a, a f, like a a new fad and a nice thing to shoot from thirty three instead of thirty and a half or thirty point seven or whatever the three point line is, and he's suffering the most, just thirty percent from from deep, and the shot attempts are way up. So he's shooting a uh, uh, um tougher shots from from farther range and not making them that's really what it comes down to because somehow aside from all that he's found a way to average more points per game than last season with the same number of assists and you know a similar number of turnovers all the rest of the underlying numbers basically match up he's just missing threes and he's probably taking more difficult ones so you know aside from that if you're a james harden owner for the most part and you know he's averaged 20 and a half per game he's probably not the problem Overall, overall, he's probably hurt you in field goal percentage, and that's really it. Everything else you he's done for you, or, or maybe if you use a if you're in a league that uses three point percentage, there's not a, league, a lot of leagues that do that. Usually, it's just three pointers made. 
You know, he's still making the same rate as last season, 2.6 last season to 2.5. So I don't really think there's too much to complain about. The only thing that really people are complaining about is the actual record. And it really doesn't really – we don't care too much about that in terms of fantasy purposes. You know, that's just something that's happening in the NBA. Great point, Josh. Great points, Josh. And uh, to back you up here, um, I did some quick calculations. And what I did is I dropped Harden's – four worst performances of the season so far and last night was by all means his worst performance of the season with just 10 total points three rebounds nine assists and three steals if that's somebody's worst performance then obviously they're one of the best top 10 players in the league right now but if you drop his four worst performance of the season like you said apparently they're bound to happen he's got an average of 32 points seven rebounds seven assists almost two steals a full block um, and 2.83 pointers. So um, that's just excluding his four worst outings of the season. Obviously, he's a plug and play guy. Um, like to bring it up because it draws a lot of ire, considering that his coach is gone and there's some there's some struggles to be had. Looking at the Brooklyn Nets, though. Shane Larkin, a guy that saw a lot of waiver wire action in a lot of my leagues this past weekend. However, he comes back down to earth with just 16 minutes on the court, two points, three assists, two steals, and four turnovers. Are we going to get to the point maybe in a couple of years where we're ready to jump on the Shane Larkin, Shane Larkin bandwagon? Or have we been seeing hints of it so far this year? Yeah, I think he's actually already been sort of like a sneaky DFS factor in smaller slates. And we're talking right now, he's like 14-team ownable. I'm in a 12-team head-to-head league where we use assist to turnover, which you know obviously increases the value of point guards. And he's rostered already because he's been performing at a pretty efficient level not a big time score but is like almost like he reminds me of like Devin Harris when Devin Harris came into the league first couple of years of the league like basically uncoverable off the dribble one of the fastest players end to end so sort of sort of in that like Devin Harris range Leandro Barbosa like if you're on the fast break it's over he's just scoring you know so I really like him and you think about Jarrett Jack who's like what 32 33 he's on the back half of his career for sure and if they hang on to Shane Larkin, he stays with the Brooklyn Nets. I could see him being a guy who may be able to take over that job. The only problem is he's a little small for starting point guards. You take a look at the rest of the league. Like, I mean, even now, like it just took like a long-term Marcus Smart injury for Isaiah Thomas, who's probably the shortest point guard in the league, to get regular consistent minutes as a starting one. And maybe the, like Jose Calderon is the only other like legit option that i can think of as like an like a point guard that's really closer to six feet like shane larkin is they just don't get a lot of respect dj augustine balled his um tail off in in detroit and it looked like he deserved a contract extension in my mind um and then we um i think you remember when he filled in for russell westbrook for a while there he was dropping like 20 and 10 i was like i don't know i don't really don't understand how dj augustine you know um got like kicked off the roster in Charlotte and then just bounced around because every time he gets starters minutes, he performs, but there's just like a serious level of disrespect, of disrespect for point guards who are smaller in the NBA in terms of what they can do on the defensive end. And, you know, even with Isaiah Thomas playing at like near all-star levels, those those past couple of years with the Sacramento Kings, I'm not, I don't mean to sound like this is like a Sacramento Kings, like, uh, you know, we need to make it all about them, but it, I know it does sound like that. But no, I, no, I run an unofficial Bucks podcast on Wednesdays with, or on Tuesdays with Nick, and it's an unofficial Kings podcast with you on Wednesdays. <laughs> okay, fair um, enough. So here, here's my two cents on Shane Larkin and where people should maybe value him higher than what he's doing for his production value this year because 
the Nets don't have a lot going for them over the next three seasons, and Larkin is one of the very few pieces where you look at and say, wow, maybe he'll be around here in four or five years. Otherwise, you've got aging guys and you don't have draft picks coming in because the Celtics own the first-round pick this year and in uh, three years, and then two years from now, the Celtics own the right to swap their first-round picks. So Larkin might be the best candidate that they have or the the best young prospect they have, not only this season, but for the next three years with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, of course, is one as well. Um, Otherwise, they just don't have young guys. So they're going to put a lot of investment in Larkin. I think that if you're in a dynasty format, you need to give him some look because the Nets... you know they have nothing to lose with going for Larkin. They, I mean, uh, or they already lost everything basically. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say prospect? Is that like a Wisconsin thing? You know, there's like no O, it's an A. It's like he's a good prospect. I think I'm just not really good at enunciating my words. <laughs> um, that's okay. a that's a common theme I've had throughout my life, and so I, I would say it's not a, a colloquial thing at all. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I was like, oh, busting up. See, see, that's how you come back. That, that's what I'm talking about. I did. Uh, I mean, I grew up in Oklahoma, 18 good years there, born and raised. And so and they make sure you know colloquial uh, if you're out there. That's, that's some good education out there. Yeah. Um, when everyone challenged me on, on, um, on how to say words, I just bring out colloquial and then I'm like, oh, I'll never people, do it again. See, you see how like I immediately backed down. I was ready to just yeah. ride this for a while, but I was like, well, shit, I'm, I'm outclassed. I don't even, I can't even define colloquial. I'm just going to pretend like I know and we can just move forward. Now, I suck at talking. It's a thing that I, I'm dealing with and grappling <laughs> with. And, and shame on me for having a position like this where I talk for a living. Anyways, Oklahoma City Thunder, speaking of my boys down in Oklahoma City, 125 over the Memphis Grizzlies, 88. Before we jump into this box score, Josh, we forgot to tease that we're going to be, at the end of this episode, we're going to be talking about our biggest check stealers of all time. Yes. I also have a couple Twitter questions um, from the listeners out there that we'll dive into as well. Back right. to the box score, though. Any surprises here um, besides Mike Conley? I guess let's start with him. Doesn't score any points, only plays 22 minutes, 0 for 7 from the field, 0 for 3 from beyond the arc. He only helps you out with six assists, one steal, Really, this is just a throwaway game, right? We're not going to put too much into this one way or the other. The Thunder just absolutely outclassed the Grizzlies, and we'll just toss this one in the garbage and just assume like it never happened in terms of fantasy. Yeah, you know what? For me, I'm I'm a I'm a little bit um, sort of just miffed by uh, what happened in this game altogether because if you look at um, this, they got to, they, this is like the biggest that you've seen. Like uh, the Memphis Grizzlies get like just their derrieres handed to them in in this uh, contest. I'm just gonna really just throw this out. We know this isn't typical of Memphis. They don't ever really ever get blown out. Their defense is too good. Well, they so did against they the Warriors. Remember that beat down they got against the Warriors. Yeah. Would they lose by? Some? That's different though. I mean, different. everybody. Okay. Every I mean, their Warriors are borderline double digit favorites against everybody, particularly at home. And it's like the only reason why they're in single digits is because they've been on this crazy seven game road trip. You know, so. Um, yeah, I mean, we saw like Memphis get get destroyed sort of that. Then after they having a two one lead against the Warriors in the playoffs too. So like anything that happens against the Warriors, I throw out. And then anytime you see this outlying performance where Conley doesn't score and only plays twenty one minutes, and none of the starters even play thirty with the exception of Zebo, I'm just gonna be like, yeah, okay, you know what? It was. Um, Oklahoma City's day. You know when Russell Westbrook only takes seven shots and and pops up with sixteen assists that he's like, yeah, they don't need me today. We got this. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 
everything you need to know about that box score where russell westbrook with 16 assists and seven shot attempts fair enough i think that we should just go ahead and move on then this is one that i, I really don't want to get into right um anything Outli- too crazy outlier. yeah it's it's an outlier you can even say on both sides um well you can definitely say that because of the seven shot attempts from russell the minutes i mean durant played 31 otherwise um you had Courtney lee and jeff green chip in with 30 minutes apiece randolph 31 it's just it's just a weird game uh between two you would think more evenly matched uh obviously clashing styles but teams that have faced each other so many times in the past grizzlies just did not show up at home so um if they didn't show up at home we're not going to give them the light of day on this podcast so Orlando Magic 85, Denver Nuggets 74. Talk about another ugly game. <laughs> um, in DFS play for the Denver Nuggets, I've only been rolling with Gallinari this year. I've been afraid to use Fareed. Moutier turns the ball over so much that it's hard for him to rack up nice totals. Otherwise, what are you looking at for in DFS competitions when you look at this Denver Nugget team? Actually, Denver's my top stack option besides from Philly from, from going like, against. You know, yeah, going against yes, like you, you Moutier leads the league, or, or sorry, like um, is fourth in the league in in turnovers per uh, per game. They've been having to give extra minutes to, to Randy Foy, who's been wasting them essentially. Uh, so uh, Will Barton is is the only one guy that you can really consistently trust in this lineup right now. Overall, Kenneth Fareed, 2 of 12. That's so ugly. This is why people hated on him for that $50 million contract because performances like that. You know, Gallinari, to me, is the only other one that you can sort of trust on Denver's side. But aside from that, you know Gallinari is not a strong defender. They have, like, an undersized J.J. Hickson playing center, which he doesn't really belong in that spot. Laverne got hurt again. Uh, you know, Jokic only plays 17 minutes for some reason. So I don't really understand what Mike Malone's doing in their front court, but it's a mess. So you can attack that from a DFS perspective. And then you have, you know, um, you know, the, the, the backcourt of uh, position two, which is um, Will Barton is actually like a, like an oversized shooting guard who could who could play the three. He's pretty big, came up with four steals. So he's been doing his part, but everybody else has been getting torched on a, on a pretty good level, which is, so that's my, that's my play. And you, you see it, you see it show up here um, in the box score. Nick, uh, Vucevic comes up with 18 and 13 with, um, you know, three assists and two blocks. That's a nice performance overall. Alfred Payton with uh, 18 fire rebounds, four assists, very efficient. Um, you know, and then Tobias Harris, uh, seven, 17 and nine with two blocks and two steals. So everybody did their part. No one had to carry the load, and then they, they won this game pretty handily. Uh, there, there as well. Uh, you know, the uh, Denver Nuggets scored just eleven points there in the fourth quarter. So yeah, uh, overall, I'm looking at Denver, and I'm like, okay, there's there's a lot of ugliness going around on their side, but I really want as many shares of their opponents for for DFS. Long-term outlook on Mr. Alfred Payton, 21 years old. Um, He's averaging 11 or basically 12 points, four rebounds. The same amount of assists he did last year, 6.4, 6.5 range, 1.4 steals, 0.2 blocks, 0.4 three-pointers. Now, Josh, I just want to get your take long-term on him because, I mean, he's progressing a little bit, but I think this is kind of what he's going to be like for his career. Like, he's not going to be putting up a whole lot of points he's going to be above average in assists above average in steals and maybe he can get his three-point shot going we're seeing a little bit of that but I don't know I think after his first season maybe we were a little bit too high coming on into the 
coming on him into this year? Or, you know, has the Oladipo, um, Hizonia, maybe Napier coming on a little bit, um, clouding my judgment here? I think he's actually been hurt by, like, in terms of, like, assist numbers with Oladipo stinking it up because that, that's supposed to be their primary score along with Vooch. And remember, Vooch had that stretch where he was injured there as well. So I'm, I'm, that's why I'm a little bit surprised that his assist numbers aren't better than they were. But you've, you've had some bad, you know, some guys who have struggled. Now it's Evan Fournier's turn to really throw up. He's back, come back down to earth. And th- that's a guy that's struggling. So, But if you take a look at the rest of the numbers, it's trending in the right direction. He's up to 33% um, from, from three, which is, you know, not awful like he was last year at 26. At last year, he shouldn't even taking a shot. His shot attempts are, are, are also up. So you like to see when the shot attempts go up that the percentage goes up. 33 really a percent from three isn't good necessarily from a point guard, but I like that it's going in the right direction. I also like that he's shooting 70% from the free throw line because if you're a point guard, to me in my mind, you should be 80% plus. Like that should be the floor. So the fact that it's that's going in the right direction on that much of a level show that he's, shows that he's working on his game and he's not going to be a Rajon Rondo that never figures out how to shoot from, from outside. So that's those are the two points and then him being up at 11.7 points per game and them trusting him to give him, get him up to 32 minutes up from 30 are all things that I like about uh, Alfred Payton. So it's trending in the right direction. He's just not the like the, you know, the Damian Lillard type point guard mantra that comes into the league and, and starts raking, you know. So So I'm glad you brought up Rondo because I think that Rondo's career is the best case scenario for Payton where he's a great steal guy, a great assist guy, but you're going to just get lower points, um, above average rebounds for a point guard and that and that's basically what you expect a low field goal percentage he's shooting 71% from the free throw line so that's that's definitely better than Rondo but I, I just don't see him materializing into anything more than a specialist in assist and steals yeah well it's really going to depend on how much improvement he comes from his own game and then how much he decides to I don't want to say ball hog but put himself into the own flow of the offense because it's got to go one way or the other. The assists need to get up closer to like 8, 9, 10 where he makes the case for being one of the top assisters of the game or he's got to score more or best case scenario he does both and it's, it's the assists aren't really moving up so far but the re- and the, but the scoring sort of is. Uh, at the same time, though, you don't really want to see him to be in, in, in Allen Iverson range at 39%. But it's still early enough in the season for us not to have to pass judgment. So, okay. And they're really the other thing, too, there's no one to push him behind that. They're not drafting any point guards, you know, and uh, you, you look at what's behind him. You're, you're not excited or, or worried about, like, well, hey, this guy, you know, might be a better option off the bench. If it was somebody you know else in there like a dj augustine sort of type then i would be like you know what he needs to start picking his production up sooner than later because they might be sitting on the bench with a better option the pride of louisiana lafayette mr payton yeah i think that assist. he still likes he by the way he still looks like he's wearing a pirate hat when he's playing basketball oh his I, hairdo I, is insane it's like the weekend except like i'm okay with that hair like that choice of hairdo for like fine i think it looks cool but as a bat like a professional athlete i just I just think it's difficult to do your job with that kind of hairdo. If I looked at him like and I didn't know that he was a basketball player, I would try to order a combo meal at Long John Silver's from him. I'm just, just, just saying. Okay. Because he's like big hat, basically? Yeah, it looks like a pirate's hat when he's playing oh, basketball. pirate's hat. Okay. Yeah, you know? Yeah, I guess so. All right. I'll take some popcorn shrimp and, and give me the combo. All right. There we go. Anyways, uh my last two senses they've got good players around him like Tobias Harris Vucevic uh, Oladipo Hizonia hopefully are guys that should take over the load of your shooting and so just you know just be a guy that's just going to be a facilitator uh, I think that 
as this group, this core young group grows, if he's more of a facil- facilitator and lets those other guys focus on the shooting and the offensive production, then that's a good strategy. I don't necessarily think that he even needs to score a lot for this team to be successful over the course of the next four or five years. Um, Let's finish it out with the last game of the night. I know I get all kind of tingly when I talk about the Utah Jazz. And for some reason, like, I love the Kings as well. Um, I know I hate to admit that to you, but, like, the Jazz, the Kings, the Thunder, those are all my teams. I don't know. I can't even explain the Kings. It's a natural thing. Yeah, the Jazz, I've been covering them. They've been my beat here at Rotowire for the last few years. And so that's why. But I don't know. It's uh, Like you said, you can't explain why you love something. You just do. There's no problem with the Kings. There's no problem in loving America's team in Sacramento. Oh, okay. Let's not get carried away. Uh, the Kings, though, pull out a nice win. They move to 8-5. and five. They won 114 to 106. The Jazz are a disappointing 9-10 and 10, considering that they have one of the best defenses in the NBA. But, of course, they lost Rudy Gobert, so we're seeing the young rookie Trey Lyles slot into power forward, whereas mm-hmm. Derek Favors moves over to center. Lyles is only seeing 18 minutes a game, and where the real value is coming from is Trevor Booker, who put up 12 points, 10 rebounds, an assist, a steal, and had one of the dunks of the year. High flying through the lane, comes down strong. Absolutely amazing dunk. But have you picked up Booker in season-long leagues anywhere out there? I have, and um, I, I don't know how long I'm going to hold on to him, but I think he's the guy who actually should be getting the minutes. We saw Trey Lyles, who, by the way, is the ugly stepchild of the whole Carl Anthony Towns, Willie Cauley-Stein, like um, Kentucky forward trio that got drafted. Nobody talks about him. Sure. But Willie Cauley-Stein actually got DMP CD'd. And, you know, I don't blame him overall. He hasn't been terribly effective. I still think that they should try to work him in and get him some minutes because— Wait, are we talking about Lyles or Cauley-Stein now? Kali Stein. Trey, okay. Trey Lyles really should just be coming off the bench uh, in in my mind uh, because uh, Trevor Booker is clearly the better option. But Trevor Booker to me really isn't a four. I said this on 120 Sports yesterday. He's really six, a 6'8", who they're forcing to play some four because they have an injury and a need and they don't have a lot of uh, like depth in their front court overall. So um, that's the way I, I look at that. You know, but Trey Lyles, he did okay. He held his own, played 17 minutes, scored three of five, seven points, three rounds. Not ownable, not interesting uh, overall. The only thing, the guys who are interesting on this line, uh, out of this lineup are, to me, I mean, everybody already owns and plays Gordon Hayward, so you're not learning anything about that. Sure. It just basically comes down to, is Gordon, Gordon um, sorry, is Derek Favors going to go next level and be like a DFS monster? And I, I said absolutely not yesterday. Against Demarcus Cousins because Demarcus Cousins uh, does Demarcus Cousins the things which is get his opponent into foul trouble, and you could see that he was second in the league behind James Harden at ten free throw attempt ten free throws attempted per game, and he got ten free throws again in this game. And um, so you know, so you saw what Derek Favors did struggled five of five of thirteen, ten rebounds, fourteen points, not enough to get the win uh, against Sacramento. So long story short, Trevor Booker, yes, is interesting. Um, Burks and Rodney Hood are t- are two guys that you can, are like useful for DFS purposes, but then everything else is like sort of status quo um, from the from the Utah side. Trey Lyles is not going to be a factor. Somebody on the other side that could be a factor too is Omri Caspi. I want to get your thoughts about him entering the starting lineup and making some hay. Yeah, real quick, I just want to add something about Trey Lyles. It's a misnomer in basketball DFS or season long that starters are the most valuable. I mean, what matters is how much time you spend on the court. You're looking at the breakdown. Lyles spent 18 minutes on the court. Booker spent 27. 
So it doesn't matter that Lyle started on there. You know, it, it just doesn't matter where you get those minutes. It matters how many. And so don't be misled. Starting does not matter. It's, it's incredibly overrated. Omer Caspi, he's the man. He's the man, man. George Carl loved him instantly when Carl came to Sacramento last year. We saw an uptick in his minutes. I think it was midseason last year. Um, and now we're starting to see that with Willie Cauley-Stein out of the lineup. I would not be surprised. If Caspi remained in the starting lineup and had a good next couple of weeks, however, I'm not throwing a good chunk of my fab money down to get him. I'm going to throw some flyers out there. If I have a hundred bucks, I may go up to twenty dollars or something like that. Maybe the I mean, twenty. About right. Yeah. 20. Yeah, about twenty dollars because. Don't get me wrong. If he stays in the lineup and plays 40 minutes, he's going to get these double-doubles like he's been doing. 19 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, 3 three-pointers. But we, we, I mean, we saw a little blip of this, maybe smaller blip last season, and it only lasted uh, two to three weeks. I think a good comp to this is maybe Evan Fournier. Uh, now, I know Fournier is, is still pretty valuable, um, but at portions last season, Fournier would, would be hot for a week or two, and then he would just die off. And I think that's what we're dealing here with Caspi. Yeah, So, but the, the, the difference here there um, is that there's like a natural spot in this lineup that has not been filled uh, by the Fair Sacramento enough. Kings. It Fair was supposed enough. to be um, Willie Cauley-Stein's, it's not right now. Um, and then Costa Kufos was another guy who was supposed to be sort of, okay, if it's not uh, DeMarcus Cousins along with Willie Collistan, it's definitely going to be Costa Kufos. And Costa Kufos only gets 17 minutes out of this matchup. So they're, uh, they've f- thrown Rudy Gay into the stretch four role, but still allowed him to play enough on the wing to not like care if he only comes up with something like four rebounds. And Caspi did his part, double doubled in this game, nineteen and ten. And Rajon Rondo rebounds like a small forward. You know, like oh, th- yeah. this is why he has what I don't know four or five triple doubles th- th- um, th- th- this season. So they're okay if they go a little bit sm- smaller in that court. And I could I could see this sticking for them right now. This is the best lineup that they could roll out. I agree with you. And I and for fantasy purposes I hope it is because then you're gonna have one more guy who was uh not on anybody's radar and, and boom, there he is. Um I don't think we've been clear on this, just in case anybody out there doesn't know, Willie Colley Stein is out of the lineup for the next four to six weeks with a dislocated right index finger. It's, I did not know that, by the way, and I'm a Kings fan. So. You didn't know that? No. He heard it? Okay. Yeah. Well that makes sense because you were kinda talking about like he was in the lineup. Um you- he, I, I just saw the DMPCD. I didn't even see the news. Yeah, so it was in Mexico City. He, um, in like the last 30 seconds of the game against the Celtics, he went up for a rebound, hit it against the rim, and just dislocated it. Dislocated right index finger. You would think um, Shannon McEwen, the guy who hosts uh, Fridays, said he made a great point where Kali Stein is not the type of player uh, or doesn't have the type of game where you would think a dislocated right index finger would make him sit out for for basically a month and a half. Because oh, here's the here's the rub on that. By the way, okay. I've just been checking the news from Sean Cunningham on Twitter. Open dislocation, which I think that means broke the skin. Yeah, you no, know what I mean? no. Still though, just put some like four to six weeks. Uh, okay. I mean, if it breaks, it breaks. If it breaks the skin, it's basically just like any other cut you've ever had. All right, I'm sounding like really superficial. Somebody's going to say like, you've never dealt with an open dislocation before. But do you understand where Shannon Works is coming from? Where if the, if he puts tape right. around his two fingers, if anybody yeah. could do it, it would be Willie Colley Stein, who's just blocking shots and occupying space. It's not like he's finesse around the rim or taking deep shots. Right. I mean, like you could put like a, like a uh, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul club on his hand and he would still be like all right exactly. just do what yeah. you do 
You know what I mean? Get some rebounds. Um, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. Um, like, so, by the way, according to Medscape.com, all right, open dislocation occurs when traumatic forces cause complete loss of continuity between the joints to articulating surface. So, basically, the bone separated. It didn't break, but it came like it's like your knuckle came completely off. It's it's the way I'm interpreting that. I'm not a doctor. I just stayed at a Holiday Inn Express, and that's what I'm reading from Medscape.com. So take that for what it's worth. Excuse me while I throw up right quick. Um, <laughs> okay, so so Josh, uh, you talked a lot about this rotation, assuming yes. that Stein was still like an option. Do you want to retract any of that? Like when he comes back, do you think that this uh, lineup will be null and void now that you are? in the know with the NBA breaking news from well, a week ago? I think what it, what we're going to probably end up seeing is um, Omri Caspi not play 41 minutes, probably play something closer to 30 minutes and give, like, you know, DeMarcus Cousins down from 37 to 34, maybe Rudy gave, you know, in the 32 range. And you'll you'll probably see something of, like, a, like a 12 to 15-minute sort of thing that he was involved in um, last season because it's necessary to have his defense on the floor. Um, they're they're definitely a better defensive team when he when he's when he's been playing and you saw what what he's been doing was basically averaging what 19 minutes per game last weekend so I I, I think we see him back in that 12 to 15 uh, per minute role going going forward take a couple minutes off of off of Caspi and then sort of has to work his way off the lineup but the but the best that they can do for in terms of experience overall scoring and you know the the popular thing in the NBA is to put as many three point shooters on the floor. All right, and uh, Caspi is something that 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 brings that at a very nice, consistent level overall. And Willie Cauley Stein doesn't really offer that, so there you have it. So there is the breakdown of the six games that happened Tuesday. Now we have an exclusive offer from our buddies over at DraftKings. We're running a new contest with them. Uh, of course, we've partnered with them like we often do to run an exclusive Rotowire fantasy football contest. Yes, I know this is a basketball uh, pod. Um, uh, the fantasy football contest, uh, it'll be in the final four weeks of the football season. Rotowire podcast listeners can participate against each other and Rotowire podcast hosts to earn a seat at the Rotowire fantasy football championship in week 17. So here's what you got to do. The week 14 qualifier is now live. It's just $5 to enter, and the winner takes home $100 and a seat in the week 17 championship. So go ahead. Go ahead and sign up. Uh, Rotowire.com forward slash DraftKings. Um, that's Rotowire.com forward slash DraftKings. Check it out. If you have any questions about that, I know we've tweeted it out sometimes on our main Rotowire Twitter account. Any questions, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter. I have some listener questions here. Josh, um, let me just go ahead and um, pull them up here. Ewell Collins um, was referring to me and Nick's pod on Wednesday, I believe. Um, (laughs) um, Y'all serious on stashing Roten is what he said. And so (laughs) what that is referencing is – you know, early on in the season, I said Roten is my number one stash guy. Now he's back. He's back in the lineup. He's seeing some minutes. He's not in the starting lineup yet. He's still seeing limited minutes. But I said, go ahead and grab him everywhere because he's going to produce whenever he's able to take on a full workload. Would you agree with grabbing Roten now as opposed to later? Yes, uh, mainly because you you take a look at what's the offensive opportunity that's available out there in Philly, and they have a serious need for scoring. 
Okay, Nerlens Solo is not a scorer. Um, Jeremy Grant is not a scorer. Uh, and the, so you're basically down to like Robert Covington, Isaiah Cannon, and and Jalil Okafor. And Jalil Okafor has been, has been struggling mightily since he got suspended and started, you know, punching the lights out on people out there in Boston. So um, Roden is a guy who last season to me was one of the more effective scorers for Phoenix. Is not saying much, you know, because he wasn't terribly for Philadelphia, right? For I'm sorry, did I say Phoenix? Yeah, Phoenix for, for, for Philly. So I think he could actually be an option. And the only problem, too, is he's not a natural one. And they sort of like to, like, pigeonhole and squeeze him into that that situation. I really just rather them see them just take Jakar Sampson out of the lineup and leave Isaiah Cannon in there, who can be an effective scorer in spots, and just try to put the, you know, the more efficient and effective people out there on the floor than trying to fit square pegs and round holes. So I don't, I don't know your thoughts on that situation. No, I agree. So last last couple of seasons he's averaged, or last season he averaged 17 points, three rebounds, five assists, 1.6 steals, a third of a block, which is undervalued in, for point guards and shooting guards. A third of a block is, is honestly pretty nice. 1.2 three-pointers. He's going to hurt you in field goal percentage, or hovering around 40%. In his first two games, he has shot 16.7%, but that'll come around eventually. Free throw percentage, he's also not going to be great for you. But you'll notice that the savvy uh, fantasy basketball players that you play with in your league probably already picked up Broughton a couple days ago when he came back into the lineup. So it's it's entirely possible that he won't even be available. If he is, I say grab him, you roll with him. I'm pretty sure that everyone out there has one rotating spot. They've just been cycling guys in through. Use it on Roten. Over the next week or two, um, he'll start to see bigger minutes. That production will increase. One more question before we get to check stealers from Victor Moreno. Um, I got a few names here, Josh, so pay attention. Um, I have to drop one of them, Victor says. Markeith Morris, Trey Burke, Ty Lawson, Miritich, Iguodala, or Myers Leonard. Real How quick. How many do we have to drop? Just one. So, okay. so Morris, Burke, Lawson, Miritich, Iguodala, and Leonard. Burke. I agree. I agree. Second, I would say I would actually probably lead towards Lawson. I think it would be probably Lawson too because he's going to need like a, like a Patrick Beverly injury to take that job back. Uh, and even then, even then you could have he, Jason he Terry start. Right. Right. And even then when he was getting starter minutes, it was ugly. And so he has a contract that's really not tradable either unless, you know, you can find. So I actually think he would be like a great fit if they somehow figure out how to move on from Derrick Rose and put Lawson as a pass. Because like Chicago was what they need is a pass first point guard to get Jimmy Butler some extra shots, Meritich into the flow and Pagasol back up to 18 points per game rather than having Derrick Rose ball it up and take bad long jumpers. You know what? You know? So. I'm going to say I'm going to say Lawson over Burke. At least we know Burke is going to see solid minutes one way or another. Lawson has played 19, 12 and 20 minutes and he's combined for 10 points, 10 uh 10 assists, two steals, one block over the last 3 games. And so I'm going to go with Lawson. Markeith Morris, you got to hang on to him. He'll come around. He's someone that you can can help you in every single category. Miritich, he's he's doing nice things. Iguodala is one of the most efficient offensive players in the NBA. I know that doesn't always translate to fantasy production, but you still got to roll with him. Myers Leonard is just turning a corner. He's coming off that injury. He may move his way back into the starting lineup. Hopefully some of that Portland talk at the beginning of this podcast helped you out there, Victor. Um, so, Josh, you're going to say Trey Burke, and I'm going to say Ty Lawson. Okay, fair enough. I, I'm totally okay if you go with on, on the Lawson side. 
Yeah, it's it sounds absolutely ludicrous, but I think uh, you know, got to make bold moves. Um, if you're in a spot where you can be conservative and you can wait for him, then maybe you do it. Um, but I, I'm on board with saying Trey Burke or Ty Lawson. Victor will let you decide one way or the other. Um, let's jump into our final segment of this podcast, Josh. The biggest NBA check stealers. And so I teased oh, last yeah. week that we'd have a guy with the initials GA in our top five. And um, who might that be? Did did you do you know? Or have you looked at the list? And are, or, oh. do, or do I do you want to gander a guess if you don't know? Oh, Gilbert Arenas has to be number one, right? Gilbert Arenas. Um, Gilbert Arenas is number one. Yes. Yes, he is. As a matter of fact, so six years, $111 million contract um, that and, uh, you know, came out later that he admitted that he might have signed the worst contract in NBA history. He just really like after leaving ever since he left uh, the Golden State Warriors, he had like a couple, like a couple good seasons out there for the Wizards and then just went straight up, mail it in more concerned about firearms than firing up jumpers uh, <laughs> for the NBA. So, yeah. Tough, tough situation, but you know what he is? He's just—he's a blip on the radar compared to what the New York Knicks, Knicks did. New York Knicks are holding down the two, three, and four spots. Give it here. to him, Josh. Give it to him. Service. That's right. We're talking about number four, Eddie Buffet Curry, six years, fifty-six million. Signed that contract in two thousand five. That's a bad contract in two thousand fifteen for that. Um, you know, so <laughs> even in yeah. the inflated TV money that's coming up. Yeah, exactly. Gross. There's another well, Isaiah Thomas There was special. a time. Yeah, there was a time in the league where you know early 2000s, I would say, where centers were probably overpaid on the whole. Like even guys that didn't even average double doubles were just paid mm-hmm. because we're still coming out of that. Like we need a solid, reliable center. Yeah, you know what? And speaking of reliable centers, another Isaiah Thomas special, Jerome James. Five third five years thirty million. He the, we we had to make room for Jim McElvain on this list. Apparently, at seven years thirty three minutes. I'm sorry, thirty three million. Um, but you know, not to be outdone, Jerome James five years thirty millions. Um, is like absolute terrible contract. Had like one like little bit of a flyer, nice little oh nice little upside guy out there in uh, Seattle for the Sonics, and then gets super overpaid. I have no I have no idea how a point guard, former point guard continues to throw tons of money at forwards or centers that are like next to useless. The guy won championships with like, um, you know, uh, spider Sally, Bill Lambeer, you know, all these guys who are like, look, would have been like journeymen on other teams. Like, um, Jane, was it James Williams? The guy who had like the handlebar mustache. Um, I, I, or James Edwards is who it was. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. Um, Terrible run franchise overall. Not to be outdone, Stefan Mar- Marbury, four yes, years, that's 76 <laughs> million. And then Allen Houston, uh, six years, 100 million. He, uh, to me, Allen Houston wasn't really as terrible as you know some of the other contracts turned out to be with you know Starbury, Curry, and and uh, Jerome James. So I would have like revamped this list a little bit here. Um, and then I want to actually kind of give Penny Hardaway a pass. It was this was end up ended up being a terrible contract at seven years and eight seven in, but. Um, like it was really like the knee injuries and the microfracture that he had, you know, um, you know, after like the, the 97 season that really just ruined his, uh, you know, athletic ability and, you know, took that playmaking, um, 
you know stuff that he sort of looked for looked as as a you know potential hall of famer out there with Shaq down to a different level so it it wasn't like they you know bought damaged goods or something like that to me if you would have asked me based on his Orlando performance we were talking about a hall of famer and then you know it just all went south from there Fair enough. And I should have mentioned we're using a list from Complex Sports. You can go check it out. 25 worst contracts in NBA history. Somebody that I'd like to throw in, Andres Beardren, doesn't make the top 25 list. Maybe it's just more relevant since it happened more recently. Travesty. Uh, it's travesty. Yeah. Uh, what is, what's your line? Unfortunately, I don't, I'm trying to find the numbers. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull them up before we got to get out of here. Um, anyways, I just remember that writing a note here at Rotowire, and of course – Good segue on my part. Um, if you'd like to check out the Rotowire website, you can certainly do so for 10 free days. Just go to rotowire.com forward slash pod and you can check it out. We've got all our breaking news and notes, all of our daily fantasy tools to help you out with your DraftKings competitions tonight, tomorrow night, or any other night for the rest of the season. Not only do we have lots of things there for basketball, but we have football, hockey, we have cricket information, folks. We've got Champions League lineups listed on our website for soccer. A lot of things to check out. Um, I remember writing a Beardrin's note a couple years ago, and of course I was the jazz beat writer, saying that Beardrin's very well might be the least valuable player in the NBA right now, where he went like an astounding 70 games where he didn't even dress out for the jazz. It was, it was absolutely unbelievable, and I think he was still on a big contract, and jazz kind of took on that contract after they, they got rid of Paul Millsap and Al Jefferson and those guys. Yeah, so... The, the the way I look at this is, is a re, we really should sort of like tear this between like, you know, 90s, early 2000s and like stuff that's more recent because stuff like, you know, John Contact, which who makes this and looks like a terrible contract at the time, you know, sort of has to be taken to the context of like the level of depth that was out there. You know, like for according to the Hawks, he was like a, you know, better than league average, maybe top 12 center in the league. And, you know, this today's NBA, this guy would, you know, be nothing more than a towel waiver. So you, it really is just like you would have thought about it and you look at the numbers, you're like, ugh. But then at the same time, that was like just like it was like par for the course. Like, you know, who was it like who the who was the Australian center for the Chicago Bulls that got paid? Oh, um, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I recently heard an update with him or a show with him. Um, real quick, the uh, the Beardrins contract was six year, including incentives. It was sixty two million dollars back in t- two thousand and eight, and essentially, you know, he really didn't do anything with that at all. Uh, That's worse than Jerome James to me and um, Eddie Curry. I agree. I agree. I think there was a mistake. No offense, complex, but I think um, I think the Beardrins one is too great. What do you say? He's like too busy smoking cigarettes on the sideline or something like that. <laughs> yeah. What is your go to line whenever I whenever I talk about him too much? Uh, who, who, what Beedrins? Yeah, uh, yeah. He was too busy like um, uh, smoking uh, uh, cigarettes on the sideline to to be bothered to to practice shooting free throws. Yeah, that's the best. Any other guys you want to include in this list? I know we just kind of jumped around, but it's fun to look at some of these contracts and be like, well, they're sitting on a fat stack of cash now. Like there was a few years in the league where Arenas was like the highest paid player, and he just hadn't seen an NBA arena in a couple of years. I'm, he's still probably getting a paycheck one way or another. Um, let me think like if there's like a recent guy, like there's no way, um, that he should ever get paid that much. A lot of people, Chris Middleton, I think is getting about $10 million a a year. What do you think about that contract? Because a lot of people didn't even know Chris Middleton's name until he got that contract. 
Yeah, you know what? To me, I'd, I'm okay with it for now because it's not fair to, to like to pass judgment on a what Jason Kidd is doing, which is crazy, and b um, a guy who's you know like what barely been in the league just a couple years. So five like, year, like, seventy million dollar deal for Chris Middleton. Uh, that, okay, when you say it like that, it makes it sound like he's ripping the league off. No, but, I think he's great in that TV deal. You're starting to see like pseudo TV deals kicking in already. We saw it this offseason. We'll see it next offseason as well. Um, but I think Milton is actually good. However, the Bucks do have a pretty bad history of paying guys too early. Or Ursan Ilyasova put in half a season of good work, got paid, didn't do anything for them. Larry Sanders, anybody, did about three quarters or one quarter of a season and got paid as well. He's not even in, he didn't even want to play basketball. Like it's unbelievable that he got all that money. He didn't even want to play basketball, and the Bucks just like didn't know. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think the Middleton contract is obviously going to be the best out of those three. Um, but five years, seventy million—that that certainly is a fat contract. Yeah, uh, for for anybody, really. Yeah, so I mean, that's Larry Sanders is an egregious example, but at least he let them off the hook by retiring, and you know didn't like punish them by like you know doing the whole Samuel Dallenbear thing and you know hanging oh. on, <laughs> staying healthy enough to to Playing be in twenty somebody. games a season. Or right? 20, yeah. yeah, he's merciful. So give him some credit. All right. Fair enough. All right. Lasting shots going into the week, Josh. Um, LeBron James is good. Uh, Paul George is better right now. Whoa, um, and um, it's all about poor Zing Goat. It's, it's basically in DFS, season long uh, in New York. Uh, I think, can dare we say, dare we say, Chris Papps, poor Zing God, rookie of the year. Yeah, I think we say it. I think we say it vehemently because Big Cat has, has struggled. Jalil Okafer may have punched his way out of the race. Mm-hmm. Um, Will, Willie Collestein well on track before he – You sep- need to just cut this. <laughs> this has been the unofficial but kind of official Sacramento Kings podcast. Stay, stick with right. me next Tuesday where I'll be talking bucks with Nick Whalen. <laughs> yeah. I just like to jab you some because, you know, it's – it's all about Sacramento, baby. Second hey. best team in the league. Once they, uh, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to be talking about Western Conference Finals, Kings, Warriors, and who knows who's going to win that series. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah I, I, pronounced, I pronounced my love for the Kings, so I really can't say anything bad at all. Anyways, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for listening. If you have questions, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at TrainerDJ. You can find Josh at Josh Hayes. FS. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free. Only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.